Science has proven there is more to the universe than what humans can naturally perceive. Yet, what exists beyond the range of our five physical senses is yet to be determined. During the Vietnam War, the U.S. military temporarily used red night vision goggles, which expanded soldiers' vision beyond the normal range of the human eye. And what they saw was horrifying. Were they hallucinations or glimpses into a parallel dimension? Tonight, I'm joined by one of my all-time favorite guests, Mark Anthony, J.D., the Psychic Explorer. We'll discuss the red light demons and the vision goggles, but beware, you may never look into the darkness the same way again. I'm not going to stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't know. He doesn't stand for baloney. Good evening, my little darklings, and thank you for joining me here on Memorial Day 2023. I'd like to begin the show on a high note. Today also happens to be the 40th birthday of my very own daughter, Jen. So, Jen, from me and all of our darklings across the world, happy birthday. 40 years old. How does she have such a youthful, handsome-looking father? (laughs) I don't know. It's beyond me. Listen, uh, I want to make mention as well that today is Memorial Day, and I have a hard time wishing people happy Memorial Day. It feels weird to me. Maybe I'll talk to Mark Anthony about that. He knows all about grieving and, and respect for the dead, but it is a day to remember those that have put their life on the line for our country, for our freedoms, for the things that they believe they were doing right. Why do you say it like that, Dave? Because I do know that there were a lot of soldiers who went into war and did jobs that they did not believe in, but because they were employed by the U.S. government and because they were told to do it, they were good soldiers and they lost their life. Today, we remember them and we remember all those that have served in our military and all around the United States and law enforcement as well, I think is equally as important. My father... My biological father was in the Navy, was a Philadelphia police veteran. My bio dad is a veteran of the, or I'm sorry, my adoptive dad is a veteran of the U.S. Army. My grandfather was a paratrooper in World War II. My son is a helicopter pilot, which will be interesting since we're going to discuss that on tonight's show. Uh, My son is a helicopter pilot stationed abroad. That's all I can say about that right now. My other son served in the Navy. It is a family filled with red, white, and blue. Unfortunately, because of a few bad issues in my own physicality, I was unable to serve, but uh, just about everybody in our family has served the military or law enforcement one way, shape, or another. But uh, I just want to thank all of those that have put their life on the line and those that paid the ultimate price for doing so. Thank you very much from the bottom of our hearts here at the Paranormal 60. Listen, there are amazing things in this world, things that even after 18 years, why is my voice cracking? Even after 18 years, 
I'm still surprised by. A friend of mine, Jen Hitt, who I have not seen or heard from in years, and I had just started exchanging a few pleasantries when suddenly she sent me a barrage of links. She's like, have you heard of this? Are you familiar with this weird phenomena? And I was not. And I started to crawl down the rabbit hole and stop myself short and said, no, no, this isn't a job for Dave Schrader. This is a job for a real researcher. This is a job for a guy that takes it seriously and knows how to get the work done. Over the 18 years of doing the show, I've had my guest on many times talking about the specifics of things that he has written about and experienced. But I've also found that in his work, he is an excellent researcher. And there are times that we run into cases where there is no guest for me to interview regarding the topics that I want to cover. And if you have followed the show through its many iterations and me along with it, you'll know that you've heard him talk on everything from ghosts to true crime to other weird aspects. So when I called him up about this case, at first he was a little speculative. I think he he sat back and said, wait, what, what, what are we looking into? And I said, just look at the information I'm going to give you and let me know if it's something that you think there's enough meat on the bone we could talk about on an upcoming program. And I was delighted when just after a few hours, Mark Anthony contacted me and said, let's do this. This, this is crazy. We've got to talk about this. Gave him a couple weeks and he did a deep dive. So tonight we're going to discuss the red light demons. Let me introduce you in case you've been living in a rock or a cave somewhere or unfamiliar with my guest, Mark Anthony, JD psychic explorer, also known as the psychic lawyer is a fourth generation psychic medium who communicates with spirits. He is an Oxford-educated attorney, licensed to practice law in Florida, Washington, D.C., and before the United States Supreme Court. Mark travels to mystical locations in remote corners of the world to examine ancient mysteries and supernatural phenomena. And he's a man after my own heart, getting out there and putting himself into the adventure himself, seeing the locations around the world that hold people's awe and wonder. Mark's latest triple award-winning bestseller, The Afterlife Frequency, The Scientific Proof of Spiritual Contact and How That Awareness Will Change Your Life, was also considered for a Pulitzer Prize. His other best-selling books are Evidence of Eternity and Never Letting Go. As I said, he is by far one of my all-time favorite guests, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Anthony. Thanks, Dave. It's great to be here. And um I also would like to say to all the active duty personnel and all veterans, thank you for your service. My father was one of the original Navy SEALs. Uh, Military service is near and dear to my heart and my family. And, you know, we live in, in precarious times where books are being banned, free speech is being infringed upon, and that's not what America is all about. And I remember my father saying, something to me that I felt was very profound, Dave. He said that I may not always agree with what you say, but I will defend with my life your right to say it. And so I think that this Memorial Day, everybody in the country needs to reflect and realize just because people we know may have different opinions or they're on the other side of the aisle politically, that doesn't make him your enemy. That makes him an American. And what we do is we discuss things and we to get work together to find a resolution. And if it weren't for all of you brave military men and women out there, none of this would be possible. So thank you so very much. 
Amen. So let me ask you, before we get into the topic, and I know people want to hear it as much as I do, um, I want to ask you about the whole concept of Happy Memorial Day. That seems to be kind of an oxymoron or a dichotomy, right? That how why are we doing this? And frighteningly enough, I've talked to enough young people that I've asked, "What do you know what Memorial Day is about?" Oh, yeah, that's about uh, remembering all the people that won the war, and that's about the extent of the knowledge from yeah. a lot of the younger generation. And I'm not putting that stamp on everybody, but the ones I've spoken to are ill-equipped to understand the the depth of what the meaning of this day really is and how did it go from a day of memoriam of of kind of gratitude and paying honor to those people to hey happy memorial day don't forget to buy your brats on the way out of the store today mark it's a great yeah, it, grilling day yeah i i agree with you in fact dave i had this discussion today with a friend of mine is like how can we say happy memorial day i'd rather say have a blessed or um Let's have an honor, honorable Memorial Day, because that's what this is about. This day is right. about honor. Men and women who died, um, who had true honor and courage. And so many soldiers have not always understood the conflict that they're in, why they're there, what the, the political reasons were, but they, they did their duty. And the United States military has always been a a front line in the, the struggle against totalitarianism, against uh, dictatorship, against suppression of freedoms. And so, yeah, turning it into Happy Memorial Day, uh, you know, it's not like Happy Valentine's Day or Happy Fourth of July. This is a day that I think we should say have, a, have an honorable Honorable Memorial Day, because that's what we're doing. We're honoring uh, the brave soldiers who who fell, soldiers, uh, Marines, naval personnel, airmen, airwomen, uh, who died fighting for this country. Wouldn't it be beautiful to see something like the Deo de las Muertas? I'm sorry, my Spanish is horrible. My Spanish sounds more like German. Um, where, where they celebrate the lives of their ancestors. Wouldn't it be great yeah. that instead of just grilling on your porch, if we saw people at military grave sites, having picnics amongst the graves and, and not in a disrespectful way, but in a way of remembrance and in a way of bringing the ancestor spirits into the meal with you and into these. And even if you don't have a relative that served, I don't know. And I, I don't know how the military uh, cemeteries are set up for something like that, but boy, that would, that would be so beautiful to see the way that, you know, the, the Hispanic yeah. culture kind of honors their dead that way. It would be beautiful to see something like that as well. Uh, my dad passed, I can't believe it's been seven years this year. And wow. the year before that, and, and he was dying of cancer, I took him, I was his guardian on what's known as the honor flight. And the honor flight started, there was a couple pilots that said, you know, there's all these veterans that can't afford to fly to Washington, D.C. to see the monuments that were erected to them, the World War II, the Vietnam, the Korean War. So they started ferrying these um, these veterans. There was four pilots that had four small aircraft. Long story short, it's turned into a nationwide organization. And now Southwest Airlines um, donates seats on the plane. And so each veteran has to have a guardian. And each veteran, they make sure that they have a wheelchair. And I mean, dad didn't always need a wheelchair, but you know, these guys were in their 80s and their 90s, a lot of them, the World War II and the Korean War vets. 
And it was one of the most phenomenal things I've ever seen because everywhere we landed, there was a huge contingent of military and civilians to welcome them. And then going to all of the monuments. And you know, Dave, what was so incredible? There's all these these men and women, because we had a couple army nurses and a, and a few waves and wax with us too. When we start out, because it's a 24-hour thing and it's really hectic. I mean, you got to get there at three in the morning and they take you by bus. And then there's this huge uh, escort by uh, motorcycle veterans. I mean, it is one of the most incredible things I've ever been part of. And so there's all these old guys and all of a sudden they start talking to each other and they stand up out of their chairs, their wheelchairs, and they start walking around like they're young men. It was as if my dad turned back into a 20-year-old seal. And wow. for, for 24 hours, I got to see my dad. The a way glimpse. Was, yeah. it was it was incredible. And so God bless you to all the people in, involved in the honor flight. Um, and it was the greatest honor of my life. Plus, I learned stuff about my dad. I knew he was a SEAL, but when he was talking to some of the other guys about covert operations and things, it's like my dad was Rambo. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was really, it, it was just, it was such an honor. It was such an honor. And, you know, when you called me up and said, let's do this show on Memorial Day, because obviously, you know, you're involved in the paranormal. I'm a psychic medium. You know, our our normal lives are paranormal lives. But what a wonderful show to do to blend the paranormal and the military and and uh, servicemen. So, Dave, thank you for, for having me on tonight. Hey, my pleasure always uh, to, to incorporate you in any of these programs because I know the dive you're going to do is going to take us into an interesting piece of history that a lot of people may not have heard. And a special thanks from both Mark and myself to Jen Hit. Thank you so much for turning thanks. us on to this story and, and these situations. Red Knight Vision Demon Goggles. Before we get too into that, can you give me a little bit of the background and history on night vision and night vision goggles? Oh, sure. There, there's quite a bit, but I'll try to, to keep it condensed. In the 1930s, a Hungarian physicist, Kalman Tijani, started developing infrared sensitive equipment. And then his technology was acquired by AEG, which is a German technology firm and uh, known as Advanced Engineering. And so they started manufacturing uh, night vision goggles and binoculars for the German Wehrmacht, the German army. And then when World War II started, Germany had a technological advantage, which included a very, very important tactical edge, which was night vision. No other military in the world at that time had the ability to launch attacks at night and have night vision. Well, around the same time, the United States started developing a night vision tool called Sniper Scope, which also used infrared light. So essentially the Germans, you know, the German military was the most technologically advanced at the beginning of World War II. By the end of World War II, it was the United States military, which then gained the technological advantage. Um, the, the beginning of night vision technology started, Dave, around the turn of from the 19th to the early 20th century. And what happened was, this was the, the boom of astrophysics. 
and now photography was a thing. And so um, uh, astrophysicists, astronomers, wanted to photograph the stars through through high-powered telescopes. And they found that the photography was relatively poor. So decenum dye was developed and it was placed on the photographic plates because it expanded the photographic, the film's sensitivity to light into the infrared spectrum. And so then it was discovered that if the decenum dye were placed on lenses, then that was increasing the human eye's ability to see at night. And so it, because it, it used uh, both red light and infrared light, and infrared means before red. So it's outside of the normal range of, of, um, of visible light. And, and if you'll bear with me for just a moment, mm-hmm. there's two types of night vision goggles. There's thermal imaging, which focuses on, on heat. And, and we see those a lot, like, you know, in uh, the, the science fiction movies, uh, Predator, Predator, right. or, you know, they show the night, they show the heat signature of, of whatever, you know, being or creature. Well, that's a real thing. But the, the, the type of night vision goggle technology that we're discussing tonight is, is image enhancement. And what happens here is image enhancement collects small amounts of light um, in the lower portion of the infrared spectrum, imperceptible to human eyes, and it amplifies them. So visible light is, is the light which is, is the electromagnetic energy perceptible to the human eye. And it's only a tiny slice of the EM spectrum. So think of it this way. Think of the electromagnetic spectrum as a meter stick, a yardstick meter stick, and one little um, mark on it, one tiny line is is what we can see. So what that means is, I know, it, when you start thinking about this, the vast amount of electromagnetic energy that we can't see is is immense. And so when you look at light, the amount of energy in, in light is related to its wavelength. Shorter wavelengths have higher energy. Longer wave, wavelengths, like red light, have less energy. So one of the best ways to visualize this, think of a rainbow, okay? The mm-hmm. bottom band of color is violet. So that's the short wavelength. There are super high charge energy. Then above that is blue then green, yellow, orange, and finally red. And just beyond red light is infrared, which means before red. So what infrared um, light is outside of our our, um, eyes' ability to perceive, and that's where night vision goggles come in. So what night vision goggles do is they amplify the infrared light and other faint light visible to light and electronically produce a clear image. And the way they do this is that the night vision goggles take in the light particles, which are known as photons, they convert them into electrons and they shoot them into an image intensifier tube, which then converts the signal emitted from the electrons into a usable image that you can see through the light piece. And I know that sounds real technical because it is, and it happens Mm -hmm. really fast. So 
That is basically how night vision goggles work. So it's basically like those instant translators where I can speak and it starts speaking in the foreign language of the country I'm in and, and adapts to allowing a two-way communication. It, it, that's a, that's a really good analogy. That's exactly what it does. I mean, and you know, people uh, that, that I've run this by says, well, that sounds like it would take a long time, but we're dealing with light ergo it's moving at the speed of light. Right. It also makes an interesting sense. One thing, and not having the science mind you do, or, or the scientists have had, I've often wondered, well, if I'm looking on a camera that's using, using night vision, I understand that the camera is built to adaptively see those things, but my eyes are still not adapted to night vision. Right. So how is my eye going to look at film footage filmed in that uh, visual spectrum and still see it? I, it makes me wonder how many things we're missing because night vision, that green kind of light, that low yeah. green lighting, um, how much of it is, this is what we're seeing. We're basking the light, but there's still things moving around that we have no clue for because our eyes, even with the in information that the camera is giving us, cannot discern those pieces of information coming through. Yeah, you brought up a good point. I'm going to go off on a brief tangent. In uh, the recent Steven Spielberg movie, The Fablemans, it's about him growing up, and apparently his mother was having an affair with his father's best friend. And so you have a young Steven Spielberg and he caught a, a glimpse of his mom and he realized it was the way she was looking at the father's friend. And if he hadn't been looking at it through the lens Focus. as a director, he would have missed it. And so that's a very good point that you brought up is that the eye sees what we're capable of seeing, but you start developing this technology, which then begins to get into that entire yardstick of electromagnetic energy. See, there's not just infrared, there's ultraviolet, there's gamma rays, X-rays, right. radio waves. Uh, I mean, it, it goes on and on and on, the different forms of electromagnetic energy, and all of it moves at the speed of light, which is 186,282 miles per second. And That's so, counting. yeah, I mean, it's pretty <laughs> intense. So, we're talking about red night vision goggles, mm -hmm. but Dave, when you yes. think of current day night vision goggles, what colors do they see in? They're always in that green, right? That's what we see on the TV shows. You bet. Night vision goggles come down to two different lights, either green or red. Now for the mm. show tonight, I have all red light in the background because I thought, you know, <laughs> that I like you know, it. keep with the theme and I'm trying to wear my military green because I knew we'd be talking about this red and green. Green light is has advantages for night vision goggles because it minimizes energy consumption on LED screens and light intensifying devices. But the human eye sees more shades of green than it does other colors. In fact, it's in the millions of shades wow. of green. And, and the, the theory is this is an evolutionary process. Think about primitive human beings having to search for food on the savannas or in forests. They would need to see details among green light. And so, so green light is, is very, very good for night vision goggles. However, red light is the best for, for 
preserving night vision because it's hard to make out details with red light. But what red light does, red night vision goggles, when you switch from daytime vision to the red light, the eye doesn't have to adapt. So there's this seamless shift. Ergo, it preserves the night vision from shifting from daytime to night. So that's one of the reasons that it's preferable. But there's more to this. And it was really fascinating when I was studying uh, the effect of red light. Red light in near infrared light maximize the efficiency and their performance of the human brain. And exposure to red light and infrared energy on the brain's neurons can increase our spatial awareness as well as reduce reflex times. So essentially, the red light supercharges the neurons in your eyes and your brain to increase your performance. Now, that all right, red then let me strip up for tonight's show. I've got my red World War II night vision. <laughs> well, that that's good. I mean, exactly. And, and you know, Dave, there's even more to it than that. Is mm-hmm. Red light therapy is being used by eye doctors around the world because it reduces inflammation on the retina. It helps in di- um, diabetes, um, uh, diabetic vision issues. It's helped with glaucoma, macular degeneration. There's a lot of really pluses. And once again, it's because it stimulates and energizes the neurons, which are the the um, nerves within our brain. It also energizes the cells in the retina, which is, is in your eye, and the nerves in your eye. So basically, it stimulates and energizes the brain. And that's uh, why I think that the military wanted to implement right. red night vision goggles because it made the seamless shift from daytime to night vision. It energized the brain and also it reduced reflex time. So basically, it was a form of mentally uh, enhancing uh, the situational awareness of, of soldiers. So you can see why there was a lot of reasons to go with red night vision goggles initially. Well, and what I love about this, so for, for all of you sciencey nerds that are always telling me, oh, why don't you try to explain the science of the supernatural to us, Dave, instead of just getting to the ghost story, we're giving you the science for a very important reason, because to understand what occurred for these Vietnam pilots, you have to understand how the spectrum of vision is shifting from our normal spectrum to what was uncovered using these special lenses. And it is absurd. I mean, it is amazing as we continue to get into tonight's story. Now, real quickly, just so we have an idea. So there's the red, there's the green. What's the major difference between the two? Is there an upside to both uh, or a downside? More detail with the green. Um, but with the red, it's a seamless shift from day vision to night vision. And the red also uh, does something to the brain to reduce your reflex time and increase your spatial awareness. So there's okay. physiological benefits to the red in addition to situational awareness. But with the green, you actually can see a wider 
array of shades and details? I'll tell you real quickly here as we're leading into this. I've gone to the Isetti Ranch. Uh, for those of you that have Max now, it was Discovery Plus. Now it's called Max. Uh, you can go see Paranormal State Season 2. There's an episode called First Contact where I took the Paranormal State kids on a, on their first field trip. Instead of hunting demons, we went out in search of the bat, squatch, and UFOs at the Assetti Ranch in Trout Lake, Washington. And that was my third trip there. Uh, I was using very expensive night vision goggles that James Gilliland had allowed me to use. And we were watching things in the sky. And at one point, I saw this one little ball of light moving across the sky. And I pulled up the night vision, the green night vision, and it revealed an entire triangular craft. Yes. I mean, it was a complete craft. It wasn't just a little, that was the tip of that craft as it's moving across the sky. And you couldn't, I was looking straight up. I could see the light. You could not see the craft until I pulled up the night vision goggles and I handed them. I'm like, what do you see? And they looked up and they're like, holy crap, that thing's massive. And we yeah. could all see this. So it was interesting. So with the night vision green, we were seeing UFOs. We were seeing something yeah. Yeah, in the sky. It's what it's doing is it's broadening your, in other words, you're seeing things beyond the visible light Mm -hmm. uh, spectrum and especially with green um well i was going to get into the green night vision goggles later on well we'll get we'll hold off for that then let's like, get yeah, to that let, but let, i just hold on yeah let's hold on with that i wanted to mention that to you just to kind of set the stage oh, because, oh yeah yeah I no mean, i got a lot of santa that's why i was hesitating oh, I like do we want to yeah. talk about it now but um that that's a very important point that that dave just just made and here's the other thing dave the, the red night vision goggles you have, you've got two different sets with you, don't you? Yes. Let me, I'll pull them out. This one yeah, yeah, got really is actually that. in its original container, uh, metal container. This is pretty interesting. These are, look at this, World War II era. And man, the military has got it figured out. I cannot wear these. These are obviously made for um, five-year-old so pilots. Smaller. Yeah, <laughs> so much smaller, well, but well, pilots amazing. Pilots had to be physically smaller to fit into the planes for weight reasons um, back in World War II. Yeah, so these would actually come and hook over your ears. And it is interesting how much more detail I can see in here. And you're right, there is an instant uh, feeling of relaxation on my eyes. Yes. Just taking my, my glasses off and putting these on. I'm sorry for those of you that are just listening to the audio version. You can go check the video version over on the Paranormal 60 YouTube uh, platform and, and watch it there. But these are really remarkable. These are the type that my friend Jen Hitt had had shown me. So I quickly scrambled you know, to try to um, find a pair. Do you know if those are American-made or German-made? Well, they were made. Let me show you because it says so right on the, right on the casing. Uh, Welsh manufacturing company, Providence, Rhode Island, United States. Okay, so that's American because the German night vision goggles in World War II were using the decenum dye, and I'm not sure if the U.S. military was using the decenum, but I do know that mm -hmm. in the 1960s, during the Vietnam War, the night vision goggles that we're about to talk about, the U.S. military had developed and patented a new form of red night vision goggles and the lenses were dyed with the, the decenum dye, which is red. And we know that the decenum dye increases the human eye's ability to see the, the lower 
frequency light waves, afterlife frequency, everything's involving frequency, and expands the human eye's ability to see into the infrared spectrum as well in, as using um, very low light to, to see, um, to, to, to enhance nighttime vision. In other words, yeah. the, the Vietnam goggles took the particles of light, which are photons, converted them into electrons, and then beamed them back to the eyepiece, in addition to the photons from the infrared spectrum. So we're seeing now way beyond what the human eye is designed to see. Right. We have to take a very quick break. We will come back. We've got more to discuss with Mark as we launch into the very strange red light demon encounters during Vietnam War. Uh, before we do that, though, let's take a little listen from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap, read a book, or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash P60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on, and if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. BetterHelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide. Haunted Magazine is a publication dedicated to all things paranormal and spooky. Each issue features articles, interviews, and stories about ghosts, hauntings, and other unexplained phenomena. The magazine also covers topics such as cryptozoology, UFOs, and other aspects of the supernatural. Expect to find in-depth investigations of haunted locations, first-hand accounts of ghostly encounters, and reports of paranormal events and attractions. The magazine also includes features on the latest ghost hunting technology and techniques, as well as tips for those looking to search the supernatural on their own. Issue 37, The Frights of Spring, will be in stores from March 6. So remember, don't be normal. Be paranormal and order your copy today. I'm Dave Schrader, the host of The Paranormal 60, and I'm here to talk to you 
about you. You only virtual. Never say goodbye. We, we love somebody. It's hard to let them go, to just let that sensation of having somebody we love and care about go on to whatever the next plane of existence is, right? We want to hold on to everything that was that person. And there's nothing in this world that can replace them. But thanks to the team at You Only, Only Virtual, they can now help you keep that connection a little closer. I mean, let's face it. The things that we miss most is the essence of who that special someone was. Things like their voice, their personality, and the comfort of being able to reach out to them to share the good days and the not so good days. Seriously, I mean, what would you, my lovely darklings around the world, what would you give to hear that voice just one more time? Well, you've focuses on the unique bonds between you and the people you hold dearest with ongoing daily interactions. The mission of you is to help you reestablish that relationship so that a part of your loved ones can always live on forever through you and their persona. You've uses the most cutting edge AI technology to create a virtual persona, what they call a persona that reestablishes that connection between you and your loved ones through things like uh, text messages, virtual voice messaging, and coming soon, live video chats. Not only can you create a persona of yourself that will you know, last long after you leave this world, but now you can revive that connection with a loved one that's already passed. I know. How do they do it? Is it hard to do? Dave, I'm not very tech savvy. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. Well, the people at Youve have heard your concerns, and they're happy to help you with the Youve Assist program. So you can sign up through my link that you'll find on today's program guide and create your own persona today. Choose from an affordable monthly subscription or deeper savings with an annual subscription. You'll see a three-day free trial, or you can sign up for $50 a month for the monthly pricing plan, or just $480 for a deep savings for the year annual pricing. And that includes a great feature, which will give you a personal one-on-one -on -one assistance with You've Assist. They help guide you through the whole process on how to create and maintain your own persona and begin your journey. You've just made the first step of continuing your connection to those you love. Just click the link that you see on my screen right now and uh, use your QRC reader or go and look for the link that I've included in today's program guide to start your journey. You'll be glad you did. Hey, coming up, we've got the pop-up Paracon Midwest Paranormal Conference taking place Saturday, July 8th from 10 a.m. till 7.30 p.m. at the Woodstock Opera House in Woodstock, Illinois. There will be speakers, panel discussions, vendors. I will be there. Chris Fleming will be there and a host of other amazing speakers. So if you have the inclination to get out and about and see some amazing things, come on out to the pop-up Paracon Saturday, July 8th from 10 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. For more information, check out darknessevents.com. And this weekend, it is the Enchanted Expo with a twist of curiosity. That's right, June 3rd at the Shoreview Community Center, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., only a $10 admission. Special guests of honor include the one, the only, Echo Bodine, one of my all-time favorite mediums, and you've heard me recommend her books to you for years on the show. Here's your chance to meet with Echo Bodine. I'll be there, and 
Diet Renee will be on hand doing a gallery session that day. A lot of great vendors, amazing conversationalists. We've got metaphysicians, crystals, healers. You want it, they've got it. I will see you there. You can find more information again on the link for today's program or just by going over to darknessevents.com. That's darknessevents.com. Let's get back to tonight's program, The Red Light Demons. We've got Mark Anthony with us. And again, I've got a link for Mark Anthony on today's program guide where you can find his book, his uh, personal readings, uh, where you can also find his podcast and all the other projects he's a part of. That's on today's program guide. So make sure that you do check that out. And please, if you do purchase one of Mark's books, like the most frequent or frequently re- frequent, the word frequent is stuck in my mouth, Mark, the most recent book, The Afterlife Frequency, if you buy any of these books, make sure to rate and review them on whatever source you purchase them through, because that does go a long way to help out all of Thank the you. authors that are on here. All right, let's get to the meat of this now. Man. All right, the good That's stuff. All right, so here we are. It's the Vietnam War. The U.S. military is now... They just developed and patented a new form of red night vision goggles made with decenum dye. And so, and the reason they chose the red night vision goggles, we think, is because you didn't, the eye doesn't have to shift from daytime vision to night vision. Plus, it increases spatial acuity and reduces reflex time. Now, here's the interesting thing. These were night vision goggles were given to many of the soldiers on helicopters, but the pilots and the officers were under strict orders not to wear these goggles under any circumstances. So that raises a red flag pun intended. Yeah. Well, so what started happening is and all of this was just a 60-day time frame. So the red night vision goggles are being given to troops, most of which are on on helicopters. And at first they're a real big hit. Soldiers mm-hmm. love them, but then about a week after wearing the red night vision goggles, the soldiers' behavior started changing radically. The men who wore them started staring at things that quote unquote were not there. Then they were fixated on trees, particularly treetops, and there were discipline problems. And the guys that were wearing the red night vision goggles started fighting among themselves. But then, Dave, came the pivotal incident. A helicopter squadron was on a routine patrol over a relatively peaceful area. So this was not a, a an active war zone, but they were still on patrol. So there's... <clears throat> half a dozen helicopters, you know, maybe maybe a few more than that. And in one of them, all of a sudden, the gunner on the starboard side, that's the right side, the starboard side, uh, this, this young man was manning a, a 50 caliber machine gun, and he just starts opening fire without being ordered to do so. so and here's the weird thing. He wasn't shooting at anything on the ground, Dave. He was shooting at their altitude, yet there were no hostile aircraft. Well, all of a sudden, this helicopter, this this gunner is now shooting 50 caliber machine gun bullets. The other helicopters are maneuvering out of the way. A couple almost collide. And, wow. and the officer says, cease fire. And the young, the young um, gunner started babbling that they're coming to get me, they're coming to get me. And he says, take those goggles off. 
And, and the young guy said, there's demons, there's monsters. Well, when the officer saw the young gunner, he realized that his pupils were really dilated. So his first thought was, this kid is hallucinating. He's probably another GI that, that's hooked on heroin because, you know, this was Vietnam and heroin addiction was a huge problem. But then the officer put the goggles on and said, what the... He described what he saw as humanoid-type creatures with wings and horns that look like what we depict in art as demons or gargoyles, and they seemed to realize he could see them, and they started flocking right towards him. So then he immediately took the goggles off, and they vanished. Or did they? This sounds like Lovecraft, right? I mean, there's that book or that movie from beyond where they talk about stimulating the pineal gland. And while they're doing that, you're able to see these things. But once you can see them, you're resonating at that level. They can see you and they begin targeting you. Well, that's I, chilling. It, it, it is. But, but that was just the beginning. After that, the report started flooding in of all the GIs wearing the night vision goggles of flying monsters. They described them as devils, demons, gargoyles. And, and even though the officers were under strict orders not to wear the goggles, some of them would try them and, and they all saw the same type of thing. But if they took them off, then they saw nothing. And anyone who wore them said immediately the creatures would look at them and realized that they were being seen by the soldier. This was one of the consistent, consistent reports. So immediately the big brass ordered all the red night vision goggles confiscated. So this whole span of time was roughly two months, about 60 days. But here's the thing. Everyone who wore the red night vision goggles were unstable mentally for months after the experience. And the other notable thing is all these creatures seem to always fly out of the treetops toward the helicopters. And once somebody could see them, all the GIs reported the creatures realized they could be seen. And that's why they would make a beeline toward whoever was observing them. All right. I'm going to throw out something weird to you, right? And I know there's going to be a lot of people this is not going to hit for at all. But it's interesting that in the Bible, right, Lucifer and his minions, those that chose to turn against God, were cast out of heaven. They weren't sent to hell. There's no mention of hell, right? They were sent to have dominion over our planet. And they may just be existing, coexisting here amongst us unseen until this level of dicinium die happened to catch the right resonance and light spectrum that allowed these guys to see them. Now, again, this is if you buy into the theology of it, right. uh, it may, it may also make you wonder, right? There were a lot of people back in the Bible days doing weird things with gems and crystals. And was any of them using rubies or so, and they would see these beings, would they see these things. Is that why we always depict demonic and devils in red? Maybe it's because it has something to do with this light spectrum and what they were seeing through these gems. Well, there's another thought. There's a passage in scripture about mm -hmm. how Lucifer, you know, the devil, 
appears mm-hmm. in the form of an angel of light. And so why would demons come in looking all scary? Because then you're going to know like, ah, they're the bad guys, you know, <laughs> and you're going to mm-hmm. be frightened about that. Um, and I see exactly what you're saying. And that, that is certainly one, one explanation. I also want to say, and because Dave and I are very credible paranormal investigators, I have done thorough research on this and I cannot find a name of any of the officers or any of the troops involved. The people who discuss this do it under anonymity. They don't want names released. Now, as an attorney, that always sets up a red flag, once again, pun intended, uh, to me. Yeah. So, so on one hand, yes, this is a fascinating story. On the other hand, our sources are hearsay. But, but when something like this happens and on the magnitude that it does, and we're now talking about it close to 60 years later, something happened. Now, as a medium, I realize that there's a lot of spirits and not all of them are human. And and that doesn't make them negative or evil. People tend to fear the unknown. So it's natural for people who encounter something they don't understand to fear it, particularly when it looks like a gargoyle or a demon. But let me, if I could, let me throw out a call because as you said, we're unable to uncover names, but this isn't, uh, that's not new. And that doesn't mean we automatically dismiss this realm. Yeah. Right. In the military, they're going to protect that, especially if it's allowing them to see other things. Now I'm going to throw a couple things at you. First of all, if we have any Vietnam veterans out there that were helicopter pilots and had seen this, you can work through me through the mask of anonymity just by emailing me, Dave at paranormal60.com. If you'd like, you're welcome to come on the show with us to talk about it. You can black out. We will just put up the, the gray screen with the circle and you can tell us, or if you want to just email me the stories and information, uh, or if you have any idea where you can point us in the direction of any of these things, I would love to get some information. Yeah. So please, anybody out there that might actually have connection to this, if you have relatives that were involved in Vietnam, were pilots, uh, especially of the helicopters that may have these answers, please reach out to me. Let me know about that. I would love to explore this a little further and see if we can put um, more information on it. And Mark, I don't know, you know the law better than I do. With what we know, can we do a Freedom of Information Act information poll to try to get information about those night vision goggles and what took place, what kind of dye was used, any of that information yeah, that may be yeah, relevant, yes, relevant. We could do a freedom, an FIA, Freedom of Information Act request. Now, if it's determined classified, and I suspect that this probably is, then they'd have a, a reason to say no. But if it isn't, we, we very well may right. end up with, with more data. Well, this is in the moment of disclosure and many of our own government officials standing up and saying, no, we need answers. And especially telling civilian and military uh, flight officers that we want you to report these things. This may be the optimal time to get this information released while they're already releasing information on UFOs. What would the harm be in releasing the information from this? Now, I, I do want to bring up too, you know, the, the type of dye used is there any chance that that dye could have a hallucinatory effect on the brain, especially in direct sunlight, that could cause this? Um, you know, I, again, I know this isn't something that you know a specific answer for, but well, actually, I, I, I wanted to. Le- okay, all right, go for it. Go. <laughs> okay, um, 
One possible explanation of this is what's known as the Gansfeld effect. And the Gansfeld effect is, is Gansfeld is a German word for whole field. And German psychologist Wolfgang Metzer introduced the Gansfeld effect in 1930. And it refers to using an unstructured, uniformed field over the eyes. And the Gansfeld effect has been used to investigate telepathy and hallucinations. Mm -hmm. So the way it works is you basically blot out the ability of the human eye to see. And so then the brain begins to fill in the blanks. And in Gansfeld, it was uh, discovered that people would hallucinate. They would see things and they would hear things. They also discovered that you don't do a Gansfeld experiment on people with mental health conditions because that can exacerbate the hallucinations. Now, that being said, Dave, according to the Veterans Administration and the American Psychiatric Association and the American Psychological Association, combat conditions have mental health implications and can lead to disorders such as PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And this is not meant for one nanosecond as any form of disrespect to veterans. Right. But I think I, I've yet to meet any veteran, my dad included, who, who wouldn't say that, that combat is the most stressful condition imaginable. So let's look at the GIs in Vietnam and the Gansfeld effect, okay? Well, I also, I think it's important to mention that you brought up a very important part that just struck me again between the eyes that the gunner who was wearing these and may have been affected by the long-term effect of seeing through these and gunning at things that weren't there. The uh, commanding officer above him who was not took the goggles, put them on and saw exactly Ex what the pilot or what the uh, gunners were looking at. Exactly. You know, you have to look at, there's a big difference between conducting a Gansfeld experiment in a laboratory under controlled conditions and with GIs and helicopters flying over a war zone. But the GIs um, who are wearing the red night vision goggles, their entire mm -hmm. vision field, field of vision was covered, okay? And, it, but all of their, what they saw was visual. They didn't hear anything whereas the Gansfeld experiment hallucinations involve visual and auditory hallucinations. Mm -hmm. So if this was Gansfeld effect, why didn't they hear? Because people can have auditory hallucinations, schizophrenics report hearing voices. Right. So none of the data I reviewed indicated any of the GIs heard anything from these entities. So the question is, were these sightings hallucinations caused by the Gansfeld effect? In other words, the red night vision goggles, or was it something else? Right. And now Persinger, he did that God helmet experiment, which I've always thought was interesting that when turned on, it would stimulate the brain in a way that people would see things. And the question I always had, Mark, and maybe you know more of the answer on this, did he have two God helmets? Could he put one on Dave, one on Mark, turn them both on? And are we seeing the same beings and the same that, things that's my next point with hallucinations Who's people, this yeah Who's people this tend to draw on stuff that's in their head 
Why mm-hmm. is everybody seeing the same thing? So let me jump to my Please. spiritual theory. There are, as a medium, I, I communicate with all types of non-spiritual intelligence. Of course, human spirits, we all know about angelic um, um, entities. But then there's the elementals. Elementals. In fact, Disney's got a movie coming out about elementals for, for kids. So, um, But uh, the thing is, elementals are aligned with the elements of nature, earth, air, fire, water. The reason I think I suspect these could be elementals is because they were always seen flying out of treetops. In other words, they were aligned with nature. Mm-hmm. And that really got me fascinated because the the soldiers on the ground were staring at treetops. They were fixated with nature. The helicopter pilot said they're flying up out of the treetops at us. And in, in paranormal investigations, and I know you've encountered elementals, I've encountered them, they're known by several different names around the world. Pixie, elf, leprechaun, sprite, peri, kami, jinn, metahune, fairy, and gargoyle. Hmm. And gargoyle is a French word, gargouille, um, which basically means a spout. Now, why are our gargoyles all over cathedrals in Europe. They're not demons. They're there to frighten away demons. They're the good guys. The thing is, Dave, these entities are part of human history. And maybe for the first time, we've developed technology that expands the vision into the lower wavelengths of the infrared spectrum where these creatures' energy signatures are visible. The ancient Egyptian gods like Sobek and Horus and Toth, they're all these hybrid animal-human deities are considered to be gargoyle-like. And the Egyptians didn't consider them grotesque or evil. But now let's go to the Greeks and Romans. Look at the god Pan. He's half goat, half man. He's got the horns, very gargoyle and he was a nature deity. You go to the Celts and the Druids of Northern Europe, they have tons of these type of of nature spirits that all have this gargoyle-y type appearance. Now, Christianity comes along and says, well, anything that looks like that's evil and demonic and you have to hate it. So if you take the fear factor out of it, what these night vision goggles may have done is given humans the ability to perceive the energy signatures where these creatures exist. And they, these creatures, saw now somebody can see me. Well, they were going at the GIs, but did they hurt them? There's no reports of anyone being attacked. So it's very possible. If if this was a hallucination, why are hundreds of men from all different backgrounds, I mean, they're in the military, but they're all different races and ethnic and socioeconomic and all that. Religious, they, right. Yeah. Why are they seeing the same thing coming from trees, behaving the same way, no auditory hallucinations, which the Gansfeld effect says they're supposed to, yet they're not hurting them. And what are gargoyles used for all over churches? all over Europe for hundreds and for centuries. In fact, the Greeks even put creatures similar to this 
on their temples, and the Egyptians certainly had these in other religions and, and, and cultures as well. Gargoyles are the big bad to scare off the, the evil spirits. Halloween came from a, a Celtic holiday of carving frightening faces and gourds, which in America we use pumpkins. For what reason? To frighten away evil spirits. So it is entirely possible that the GIs were seeing these elemental entities and because they didn't understand it and because of their grotesque by our standards appearance, they immediately jumped to the conclusion, these are demons. All right. I'm going to throw a couple more weird thoughts to you because I love bouncing weird ideas off you. Um, First of all, the reason they're not having an audible issue is because if this thing is residing in a specific frequency, it's safe to assume that the audio frequency would also be above or beyond our hearing. Like dogs can hear things that we can't. Right. Good day. Yes. So should, should they have had a parabolic mic or should they have had a magnetic mic? They might have heard the, you know, or whatever it was exactly. in the sky. It's like when we go on paranormal investigations, we're using uh, EVP and the ghost box and spirit mm -hmm. box and all these other things. Exactly. Cause you're scanning different uh, free because once again, radio waves are also a form of electromagnetic energy. Now here's the other, and this is going to get a little spicy for you, Mark. Are you ready? I'm loving it. So <laughs> let's go back and look at history. Look at the people that talked about the, the little people, the elementals, the beings, the creatures, perhaps it isn't an evolutionary jump that we've made. Maybe it's all the interbreeding humping we did in those eras of, of procreating with our first cousins and sisters and brothers that knocked that ability of vision out because, you know, you make enough mimeograph copies of the same thing and eventually they start breaking down, right? So could it be that we literally hump that effect out of ourselves through through the interbreeding that, that happened in those cultures so that the changes that we have now have just taken us out of that light spectrum? Entirely possible. In fact, I was just reading an article about a village in northern India, in an extremely remote area, where mm -hmm. the majority of people there, because of centuries of inbreeding, are incapable of hearing or of speech. And uh, scientists have been studying them, and this is because of the inbreeding they have lost the verbal ability to communicate along with their hearing, yet they figured out other ways of communicating. They say the people just look at each other, they make a few motions, hand motions, and they seem to understand. So taking that and, and extrapolating it into your hypothesis, this is entirely possible that evolutionary-wise, we've lost the ability to perceive these creatures, or simply, Maybe, and I don't want to say that we're not supposed to see them, but they live in their dimension. We live in our dimension, and our dimensions coexist peacefully. My mm. position is being afraid of something like this is like being afraid of the grass because it's green or the sky because it's blue. These entities exist, and they coexist with us in a dimension that runs parallel to ours. Wow. Imagine that intelligent entities that coexist with each other. Maybe we can learn something of, from elementals. 
I, you know, first of all, I just want to say how much I absolutely love you because here I bring up the fact that maybe we just humped the ability out of us without missing a beat. You go right into the science and make me almost sound intelligent for my theory. Uh, <laughs> I will tell you, tell you this, Mark, I plan on taking these red goggles with me when I go over to Europe this year. Yeah. And I'm going to wear them or at least try to figure out a way to, to utilize them when I'm in nature areas to see if there's anything or perhaps even shoot film. So maybe people should look into the red gels or red leaded lenses from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s and utilize those with their cameras to see if it does allow you to see into yeah. a different spectrum. Yeah, that that would be it that, if they could That might be the new adaption. Right? Yeah, that that's going to be the key because if you could adapt it to a camera lens and if you could catch these entities on on, you know, we don't you say film anymore, but digital, you know, digitally preserved, then then we'd know we got something. But certainly, uh, um, look, anyone with an IQ above room temperature, and it doesn't matter if you study the paranormal like Dave and I yeah. do, anybody who's a person of faith or anybody who studies science, we know that most of the universe is beyond the perception of our five physical senses, dark matter, dark energy, black holes, all these things. And there are spiritual entities that do exist. And as Neil deGrasse Tyson said, the beauty about science is that you don't have to believe it for it to be true. And I believe the same with the spiritual. You don't right. have to believe it. For it to be true. I know it's real. Dave knows it's real. He and I have been in situations together and of course separately where we have encountered a multitude of spiritual entities. I find it an honor to be able to communicate with these beings and I think that when approaching paranormal investigation we must always use the scientific method, collect the data, don't jump to conclusions and then analyze it logically after the experience. And that's why these poor GIs, they had no idea that they were going to be seeing these things. And these guys were scared. I mean, they had a hard enough time being, you know, worrying about getting shot down by the Viet Cong. And the next thing that they see is the flying monkeys from the Wizard of Oz coming out. That's right. <laughs> and, if you're, and if you're doing heroin, I'm sure that didn't make it any easier. But, but you know, leaving, leaving uh, all joking aside, um, I can't imagine the stress, uh, the stress these GIs were, on, were under. No, amazing. I do want to point out something for listeners because I know I'll get a few emails. I always do. Um, when it comes to this, uh, Dave, how can I believe the credibility of your guest? He thinks he's a psychic. He thinks he's a medium. I do want you to, to notice that throughout tonight's entire episode, none of it is his philosophy on the mediumship. None of it is his philosophy on spirituality although we brought up different aspects, that's just looking into the possibilities. What he's done is reported back to you the reports that were made to the military, the reports and the examples and the science behind how these people were seeing things. So don't, again, throw the baby out with the bathwater. There are times I almost wish I could have you on without mentioning you're a medium or psychic because people prejudge thinking that that makes it less credible. No, this guy has spent his life and career hinging things on the work and study and research that he does. I've also been with Mark at haunted locations where he will not just take 
the base information that he's getting because he doesn't know if it's something that's predetermined by us talking about it and planting that seed with him. And he's always been one to say, hey, we're all fallible. So I can't tell you one way or another. So I won't weigh in on it. I will tell you, I feel like there's something here, you know, and, and he's always been great at that. So I do want you to think about that when you're considering tonight's episode, I want you to go back and listen to it. And you'll see what I mean, that there's no dissection from the medium perspective. It has all been, here are the facts as we see them and have heard them and have been reported. And we're sharing it with you because as Jen hit brought this to me, not a psychic medium, she brought this to me to explore further. And I trust Mark because of his ability as an attorney to look at the details that we might miss that this gives us a great insight to something like this. And this is not, I hope you understand, Mark, in no way dismissive of your abilities, which I firmly well, believe I, in. I, I just I want yeah. Well, I, and, I want people to hear what's been said tonight because it is certainly. super important. Yeah. Well, and, and I apply the scientific method to my mediumistic abilities, and that's one of the reasons I wrote the afterlife frequency was to explain all the different forms of spirit communication which is mediumship, visitations, near-death experiences, shared-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, and through the scientific method, and it's all based on quantum physics. So this isn't some airy-fairy book. Um, it's been endorsed by scientists in the um, who study survival of consciousness, and I'm very honored. It won the uh, Cover Coalition of Visionary Resources Best uh, book in the reincarnation, grieving, and death field. It just won best holistic life, most inspirational book of the year, and it just won the OMI award from Ohm Times and I Spirit Media as best metaphysical book of the year. And uh, I'm very honored that it's been endorsed by the scientific community and even recommended by film legend Shirley MacLaine. Excellent. Well, let's wrap up. I know we're going over our 60 minutes. We'll call this the director's cut again. Uh, I, I, there's a lot that you've researched that I don't even know the right questions to get into. Is there any other elements of this before we get into the green lenses and what you uncovered with that? But is there any other element of the red lens and red light demons that you think is imperative for us to know that I might have not gotten to yet? Well, um, yes. Walter Kilner in the 1920s was a German scientist who experimented with Decenin and developed Kilner screens, a.k.a. aura goggles. And so he put on these goggles and suddenly he could see auras around people. Now, an aura is the energy field that any um, power source emits. In human beings, we have a power source because we're alive and we have an electromagnetic field. And... Kilner believed these aura goggles could enable you to see paranormal entities and even UFOs. Um, and he said that heretofore, only psychics could see auras, but now everybody can. So he wrote this beautiful paper, which I read, um, and he was immediately discredited by the scientific community. Surprise. Surprise. However, yeah. since his time the discoveries about red light therapy and how it energizes the brain's neurons, spatial awareness, and improves reflex time and balance. And it's very notable to, under, to realize that the red night vision goggles used in Vietnam were made with decenum dye. So there's something about this decenum dye which does expand 
the human eye's ability to perceive into the infrared spectrum. Fascinating. Very cool. You know, one other thing I want to mention, Mark, that that's really kind of a cool little offside on this is you, you mentioned that it's the German engineering behind a lot of these goggles and the visions. Do you know that there is a report that in World War One, the Red Baron, Baron Ludwig von Beethoven, that's not it. I can't remember. Uh, uh, um, Richtofen. Baron Richt von Richtofen. Richtofen. Yeah. Yeah. He, there's rumors that he shot down a UFO, not Snoopy, really? not Snoopy. That, oh, that never happened. Bad PR for those people. No, but yeah, you can go online and read. There's stories about him having shot down a UFO. Um, wouldn't it be interesting to find out what type of lenses the red Baron used during his flights? And because he was so deadly accurate. And yeah. so good. Were they red lenses? Was there some, maybe the Red Baron had many layers to that story, but just something to consider. All right. Now getting into the green lens technology and things, I I'd thrown out the fact that I was able to actually see a crap yeah. that you could not see with the naked eye through these. And so were all of the other cast members that looked through the, the uh, um, night vision goggles and they were military, high grade military night vision goggles. What else did you uncover? So the U.S. military confiscates and gets rid of the red night vision goggles and replaces them with the green night vision goggles. And we discussed earlier how the human eye can see literally millions of shades of green. And that green is, is wonderful for night vision goggles because of the immense amount of detail. In other words, you get more deep. There's advantages to the red and green. Mm -hmm. Well, Suddenly, soldiers start reporting sightings of UFOs while they're using the night uh, vision, the green night vision goggles, just like you did, Dave. And in fact, in Sedona, Arizona, there's tours um, to look for UFOs where they give everyone green night vision goggles. However, in 2022, an image of a UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, that's now the preferred term for a UFO. Mm -hmm. You know, we always have to change the name of everything every couple of years. Mm -hmm. But um, a, a night vision, uh, a green night vision goggle image of a UAP slash UFO was shown to U.S. lawmakers. And during the hearing at the House Intelligence, Counterterrorism, Counterintelligence and Counterproliferation Subcommittee, top Pentagon official Ronald uh, Moultrie said that through rigorous analysis, most, but not all, UAP can be identified. Scott Bray, the deputy director of Naval Intelligence said, and I quote, there are a small handful of events in which there are flight characteristics or signature management that we can't explain with the data we have available. Those are obviously the ones that are of most interest to us. So the United States government, the House subcommittee, was shown what is can only be described as a UFO as seen through green night vision goggles. Amazing stuff. Uh, Mark, it is always a pleasure. And man, thank you. You you took this much further than I thought we'd be able to go with the, the research. Um, please, let's talk off air. I want to know what we can do to get a Freedom of Information Act uh, 
set in. You know the legalities of it. Let's make this happen, Mark, and let's try to figure out um, anything we can about these goggles. And if you know anybody that was in the war, Vietnam War, that had these goggles, had access to them, or may still have access to them, please communicate. We'll keep you anonymous. We'll keep the stories anonymous. I would just like the information about the goggles, anything that could be given to us about it, anything of the experiences firsthand, not, you know, uh, secondhand as we're kind of getting these these stray reports. I'd like to know firsthand if this is true or not. Uh, we're going to go with the fact that most likely knowing the government and the way that they conceal things and, and pull them back, it will be true. Um, it's something to consider, Mark. And I, I'm only going to say this because he has talked about it in public. The government is always watching, always exploring, even things in the spiritual realm. I have a yeah. an engineer friend of mine who creates a lot of paranormal equipment and help to redefine the camera system that's used for SLS, right? For the SLS cameras. Right. Um, the government may or may not have contacted him to order some and to un explore and understand the software that he was using. Uh, they may or may not have contacted him to buy many of the pieces of equipment that he has had very good success with communicating with something. Mark the uh, Frank Spock, Frank Sumption, as you remember when we'd go up to the Stanley Hotel. Frank is the one yeah. that kind of created the radio box out of stuff he had found from yeah. an old popular mechanics magazine that told him to make these boxes. He never really claimed to be talking to ghosts. He believed that he was communicating with alien life forms and he was hearing alien yeah. life forms. It's amazing how much of this stuff bleeds over on one another. What we're really looking for is never definable by one answer. And I find that fascinating because there's so much more to what we're finding. And I'm, I'm sure if we ever did peel back that veneer and could look at it, we would be blown away by the connectivity of all well, of this. It's it's interdimensional communication and mm -hmm. be it spiritual, alien, elemental, uh, what have you, they may be using similar energetic modalities to jump from, to essentially do a quantum leap from one generation to, uh, one, excuse me, one dimension to another. Mm -hmm. It's like the Al Alcubera effect um, is, uh, in other words, according to Einstein's theory of relativity, nothing can go faster than the speed of light. But if you fold and bend space-time, Star Trek, they call it warp drive. We all heard that, but that's all based on real physics. And a few years ago, the Mexican physicist Alcubera came up with the Alcubera effect, where he explained that if a spaceship could generate a sufficient energy field around it, it would fold space-time and you could jump from one coordinate in space-time to another. In other words, you could go a million light years within a moment or two. And okay. so taking that down to what we're dealing with here, we're dealing with, for the sake of discussion, with the night red vision goggles, elementals, I believe that they are, existing in a frequency, uh, the infrared frequency, or rather a frequency um, parallel to ours that the night vision goggles were enabling us to perceive, and they could jump from that dimension to ours. Same thing with spirits, so-called Bigfoot, certain uh, cryptids. Um, they all may be using a similar modality to achieve 
this quantum leap from one dimension to the next. And this is one of the, the theories that I've discussed with you and with our colleague, Mike Ricksecker, and certainly on, on mm-hmm. Coast to Coast and, and in other venues about this, because as we begin to apply 21st century science to the paranormal, it appears that the paranormal is really normal after all. Well, remember that that which we considered magic in the past has only proven to become science in our present. Fascinating stuff. Mark Anthony, our guest. Again, there's a link for him in tonight's program guide. Let me mention, folks, you don't want to miss this Wednesday. The Paranormal 60 News crew has a very special celebrity guest joining us and uh, going to share his own UFO experience. And if you are a fan of the show News Radio or The Kids in the Hall or even A Bug's Life, you're going to recognize our guests. So make sure that you tune in this Wednesday live for the Paranormal 60 News. Mark, thank you again, as always, for being here, buddy, and and giving us this insight. We'll be back again Wednesday. Think about what we talked about tonight, folks. I want to see your thoughts and the messages here on my YouTube channel. I want the rest of you to email me or messages on the social media to tell us about your thoughts regarding this kind of story. And if you have other stories that you think we've missed, other bits of amazing history that may have gone unnoticed, let me know about them. Dave at Paranormal60.com. That's Dave at Paranormal60.com. Thank you, my friends. And may the darkness be just a little bit more light with the information that we share on the show. We'll see you again next time right here on the Paranormal 60.